Mine's good. Life good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham here with my big brother, Scott Graham. Hi, Scott. Sean. What's going on? It feels like we just did the men's, but it's a different day. Yeah, it's 100% different. Totally different day. So, we if you didn't miss it, last episode we broke down the men's field for the 2018 Olympic Winter Games in Pyeongchang, South Korea. And now, we're going to break down the field for the women's competition. And just initially, Scott, I think this field is much more wide open than the men, to be honest with you. I think there's a concentration of one team at the top, but anyone else, I think, can make the playoffs. In this women's field? Yeah, I think it's a much more wide-open field. You know what? After the top team. I've got to uh, agree with you with the caveat that I think the top team, if you're referring to the same team I think you are, is uh, lumped in with this same group. There's, I think there's about six teams, maybe even seven teams, that any one of them can make the playoffs. Okay, so let's get into it then. Uh, For the men, we started with the top-ranked team on the order of merit. We're going to switch it up for this one uh, because we want to spend more time a little more time with the teams at the top to break it down a little bit so we're going to start at the bottom and move our way up we're building suspense this is what good shows do yes i i think in the uh broadcasting world it's called teasing yes so let's start with the bottom ranked team out of the 10 who are participating in this event okay so this first team is one of the teams that came out of the olympic pre-qualifying event they're the team out of denmark and madeline dupont so yeah, so Madeline Dupont, this is a team, as you mentioned, that they come out of the those final qualifier events there. And it's a team that I don't know if a lot of Canadian viewers will be that familiar with, to be honest. Well, I, I don't know about that. They This team played at the 2010 Games in Vancouver. I told you just before we started yep. a, a little bit of a funny story of how they my friend ran into them downtown, uh, Madeline anyway, and... Uh, they ended up uh, going out and having a few drinks together. So they're a fun team. Uh, they have been around a long time, mm-hmm. and they're they're sort of took a took some time off of curling and are now back at it. So they're one of the teams that I think is is one of the weaker ones in this field, and they'll just have a good time being there. Yeah. So we we broke down for each team in the men's what they've done. Uh, on tour and stuff. So this team, their record in in this season, 14 and 18, but interestingly, they have not played in Canada at all. No, they're they're not a team that travels as much as some of the other teams, and uh, their results probably bear that out. Yeah, so they did qualify for the playoffs at the European Championships. It's probably their biggest event, other than the Olympic qualifier, uh, which, of course, they qualified by beating the Italians in that their last game there, won mm. that by a point. But yeah, otherwise, they've played three events in Switzerland, one in the Czech Republic, which was the Olympic qualifying event, and then they played in uh, an event in Scotland where they did not play any of the teams who are going to be at this event. Yeah, and so like I mentioned uh, before, they, they're ranked 98 on the order of merit. Maybe I mentioned it, maybe I didn't, I don't remember. But uh, the gap between them and the next uh, team on this list is huge. 
Yeah. So they're uh, the the team that I'd say has the least chance of making the uh, playoff round. Yeah, definitely, definitely a long shot for them. So the next team moving up. In so, the so as I mentioned, we move from 98 on the order of merit all the way to number 27, and this is the next lowest ranked team, and this is the uh, the Olympic athletes from Russia side, uh, Victoria Moiseva. Yeah. So what, what's just in watching the mixed doubles so far? Whenever I see that OAR, it looks so weird. Like the first day when they were showing the scores, like who's or? Who's or? What yeah. is or? That makes no sense. I, I almost thought of like it's a boat. And they have the ore. <laughs> what, what is happening? Oh so the Olympic athletes from Russia, they of course are not allowed to be from Russia because Russia is banned. But this team has an interesting story because it's not Anna Sidorova. Yeah, Anna Sidorova, who we've seen at pretty much every Olympics and World Championships since 2010, 2009, 2010. Yeah, they've been around a while. Um, they they had a playoff to decide which team would go, and this team beat Anna Sidorova in. Five games? It was a best yeah, of seven? It was a best of seven. They won in five. They got up 2 nothing. They won the first two, then lost the third game, and then beat them in those last two for, for a pretty convincing victory there. Yeah, and I know Russia was not happy with the performance that the Sidorova squad had in uh, 2014. They, they were definitely... Uh, you know, they just didn't live up to the expectations of the gold medal that the that the Russian Olympic uh, Association had for them. So we see this new team. They're qu- quite a bit younger. I mean, not that the Sidorova team is old. I think they're all under 30. But right. uh, this team is a young team that's, that's, you know, poised to make that jump. And like I said, 27th on the order of merit for the year. They've played uh, a little bit in, uh, in North America. Yeah. And... I think uh, a lot of games, right? Seventy-nine games for the season. They, yeah. So they they've built it up, but it's a young team, right? So they you're not as concerned maybe about their legs or, or just fatigue. Is there a young team and and had, they've had a great year, fifty-seven and twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really uh, good record. But again, they didn't play at the European Championships. That was uh, that was Team Sidorova that represented Russia there. Right. So you know this. I think this is going to be one of their biggest biggest bond spiels. Yeah, and if you sort of just look at the teams, if you look through their year, you're trying to find the teams that they're going to play in this event. The record is sort of middling in those games, right? A couple losses to Anna Hasselberg, but uh, a win against uh, uh, Wang, I see here. So, you know, it's it's we'll see. I mean, this is a team that we really, the, the average fan doesn't really know much about because we haven't seen them a lot. Mm-hmm. In any events, and and you wonder too, young team, first time at this event, and like we talked about with the mixed doubles, does the fact that they're not actually playing as Russia, and does all the uncertainty that has surrounded that situation, does that spill over into the event? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But it'll be interesting to see how they perform. Yeah, one to look for for yeah. sure. Next on the list, moving from twenty-seven up to twenty-four on the order of merit is uh, the Japanese team and Satsuki Fujisawa. Yeah, so we really like them. We, the, the Game of Stones official position is we like this team. We really like this team. They're very small, but they physically. have... Yes, physically. physically they're, they're tiny. Physically very humans. short. I don't think any of them is bigger than, what, 5'3"? 5'4"? Yeah, if that. Yeah. So they're... But they pack a lot of energy. Yep into all of their games they can throw all the shots 
the question at times has been maybe strategy, but uh, they're they're a force. They're a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, absolutely. We saw them in the Continental Cup. I don't think any of them stopped smiling the whole weekend. They're mm-hmm. having a great time, and they made a ton of shots. Ton of shots. Ton of shots. They're when they're on, they're on. Yeah, and uh, they have the chance for sure to make the playoffs in this event. Yeah, and like some of the other teams, they came over in the fall, played some events in Canada, they played some events in Europe as well. So they've been all over the world. Uh, this year, playing in a, a bunch of different events, and overall, they've played 70 games for a 45 and 25 record. So, very solid performance this season on tour. And I think the fact that they've gone all over the place and played these games is really important. So, you know, the, the events in Canada are great, but then they played the Women's Masters, that event in Switzerland, and that event they beat Sigvertsen, they beat Muirhead. They beat Kim, and then they lost to Wang. So those are all teams that are in this field, right? So mm-hmm. this is, uh, this is you know they're they're getting the experience. None of the, they're not going to be surprised by any of these teams, and you wonder if they can go on a run here. Yeah, they they certainly have put together runs before, most notably at the World Women's Championships. Yep, uh, two years ago. So when uh, yeah when Chelsea Carey was there for Team Canada. And uh, they lost the the final, so they got a silver medal there in that uh, world championship. So there's no shortage of experience. Yep, they're they're definitely one of those teams to look for. Yeah, and certainly they another one they they finished second in the Asia Pacific this year. So really very good team. Expect a lot of them. And when they're uh, when they're yelling, their their line calls are so much fun. They're enthusiastic. They're into it. They're just a lot of fun. So it'll be fun. I don't know. One of the great things, too, about the Olympics is, say, if if there's a game, if you want to watch Canada, and there's a blowout in that game, you can if you're streaming them, you can just switch over and watch whatever you want. Personally, this would be my go-to team, I think, uh, to watch them. Yeah, right on. They're, uh, they're definitely fun to watch. Yeah, so next, as we continue to move up the list... Next up, we're going to move another three spots up on the order of merit to the Korean team, skipped by Yunjun Kim. Yeah, so as we talked about with both the men's and the mixed doubles, you wonder what the hometown boost is going to be. This team, 41 and 17 on the year. They also came to Canada for not as long as some of the other teams. They only played... Uh, a couple events out west. Uh, they played in the Tour Challenge, in Tier 2 of the Tour Challenge. Um, didn't have a great week there, going 2-3. and three, But then they also went to Switzerland and Finland, to Australia. Japan. They've been all over the world. They did come back to Canada. They did play in the most recent Grand Slam event. Lost in the semifinals to Chelsea Carey. But interestingly, their, semi, or their quarterfinal game, excuse me, Beat Rachel Holman. Yeah, that was a big, uh, big win for them. They played a heck of a game, and Rachel and Emma missed a few shots. And you know, turns out, yeah, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. Yeah, so I think this is a dangerous team. And again, with the crowd going crazy, as which we, as we've seen in that mixed doubles, that the crowd is going to go crazy for the Korean team. And you know, you never know. I. I I wouldn't expect them to be in the playoffs, but again, another one that I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the playoffs. That's right, and they did get to play in the World Championships last season, uh, finishing the round robin at five and six. So, you know, they 
they've had some experience against some of these teams. Like you said, they played on tour a bit this year. Yeah. They're one of those teams that's a bit of a wild card uh, as far as what their expectations are. Yeah. So let's move up again as we continue to climb the order of merit rankings with next, our team. Yeah, next team up. Next team up, number 14 on the order of merit. And this is the American team, skipped by Nina Roth. Yes. So we saw them play at the Continental Cup this year. We did. And uh, they played they played pretty well. I think they, they played better than I th- a lot of people were expecting. And managed to help Team North America uh, secure some of those vital points that ended up being so vital. They (laughs) got a lot of points early on in the week. So uh, they've they've played a lot. Last year at the Worlds, they were 6-5. and They have a couple of years of experience in going to the World Championships. Hmm. Getting out of the States is not easy. I think they had a three-team triple round robin with... With two other teams from the the U.S. this yes, year, yes, uh, Sinclair and Christensen, Jamie Sinclair. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Jamie Sinclair, we saw at the Continental Cup last year. Yeah. So you know, USA Curling is trying to get a few teams going. This Nina Roth team, they're pretty strong when they're on, and Nina especially when she's got her draw weight on, she's pretty deadly. Yeah. So they beat Jamie Sinclair best two to three in the playoffs of that American. Play down the the Olympic qualifying. There is a triple round robin. Triple round robin, yeah. Wow. And, uh, came out of that at the most recent Grand Slam, coming off of that Continental Cup. Not a great week for them. They went two and three yeah. there, including a loss or including losses. Excuse me to Rachel Holman and Anna Hasselberg. There, so not a great lead up to them. And Here's the thing, the last two Olympics, the American women have done extraordinarily poorly. They have not done well. USA Curling, in talking to them, are very concerned about this. They don't want another last place finish. 2010, it was Debbie McCormick. She went 2-7 and seven to finish mm-hmm. in last place there. And in 2014, the, the last Olympics, Erica Brown went 1-8 mm-hmm. for another last place. So they, they finished last in the past two Olympics. USA currently does not want that to happen again, especially with all the promotion that they've been doing, mostly with Matt Hamilton again. But Becca Hamilton has been in a lot of it as well as the mixed doubles team. And I will reiterate what I've said on every other podcast. I am concerned about them playing both. Oh, Sean, are you concerned about that? Yeah, I know. It's surprising, right? So we'll see how that plays out with this American team. i got to be honest, though. I would, I, I'm more optimistic about the prospects of the Japanese, the Korean team, than I am about the American team. Oh, interesting. I would put them all sort of in that same category of borderline playoff team. Right, right. So, again, moving up uh, the rankings, we're in number 13 on the order of merit right now, which might come as a bit of a surprise. It's the second team to qualify out of that uh, Olympic pre-qualifying tournament, and that's our our old friend Betty Wang from China. Yes. Uh, We've seen her for a long time. A couple Olympics, she won a bronze medal. She's been in world championships, but took a step back sort of this past quadrennial, right? She she didn't mm. play that much and sort of is coming back. It's almost like her second act now yeah, in, in believe, her career. I believe she took time off to she started a family. have a family. Yeah, yeah. and uh, is coming back now, like you say. And, you know, the, they're a team that's got a lot of experience. You know, they've been there, uh, at least uh, Betty has before. So, 
you know, all the way up at number 13 on the order of merit, but they had to come through that qualifying tournament because Korea was was guaranteed a spot and Japan beat them out right uh, in the in the Pacific Asia Championships for <laughs> for that other spot. So with that, it'll be interesting to see because like I say they are ranked quite highly but had to fight to get there. So they're another team right along with the Koreans and the Japanese and the Americans that I would put as a borderline playoff favorites. Um, they've they've done really well before and they've also done very poorly before. Right. So, you know, I could see a wide range of outcomes for them. Yeah, haven't played a lot in Canada this year. Only the two events, the Canada Inns and the Boost uh, National. They did not make the playoffs in either of those events, which mildly concerning, but they've played around the world. And again, the experience... It's hard to to really say how the experience is going to go. I mean, they're not going to be overwhelmed by the rings, the whole atmosphere of it. They're not going to be overwhelmed by arena ice and the stones and, and everything that goes along with the Olympics. And again, this is a team that if they get off to a good start, you know, if you tell me that they're going to go eight and one, I, okay. But if you tell me they're going to go one and eight, again, okay. Like I, I'm not going to argue with you. I think this team, out of all the teams, has the biggest the biggest difference between ceiling and floor in terms mm-hmm. of what they could go here. Mm-hmm. Now, it should be noted that it's not her entire original team from when right. she won the world championships, right? The, the third that's playing with her, Yan Zhou, I think played with her in 2014 and maybe 2010 as well. And the second and lead are, are new additions. So, you know, it, it's not the same team, but this, the experience is there at the skip position, which is super important. So... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they can do if they can pick up on the ice early. Uh, like you said, eight and one—that would be surprising to me. Okay, but but you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility for a, a skip as experienced as uh, Bing Yuang. Yeah, for sure. So let's keep let's keep rolling here. Keep on rolling. So now we're going to get to the top four teams in this event by order of merit yep. and teams two through five in the World Order of Merit with uh, Jennifer Jones of Canada being number one. Right. Uh, and not in the field. So number five is Team Muirhead. Yes. Out of Great Britain, Team J. Bay, as they <laughs> so, so much like to say. Uh, they're number five on the Order of Merit list, and this is a team that a lot of Canadians are very familiar with. Yeah, third Olympics for this squad, uh, for Eve. Coming in, and uh, for the season, a 45-19 and record in 64 games. That's a lot less than she's played in the past. Last year, she was up over 100 games, uh, 115 to be exact, and won 79 of them. Uh, But she's been around the 100-game mark throughout her career, so they've taken a step back in the number of games they've played this year to uh, keep fresh. Another addition that they've made is Glenn Howard as the coach. He's come on recently, and... He was at the Continental Cup, and I asked him sort of what his role is with this team. This team has done extremely well in the past, and he said his role is strategy, and that Eve has felt that when they've struggled, it's been it hasn't been throwing, it hasn't been technical or ice reading or anything. It's been purely strategy. So she's trying to revamp her game strategically to give them or put them in a better position in their games, which is kind of interesting to me that that was where they felt that they were lacking, and and then they bring in Glenn to try and address that issue. That's right, yeah. So 
I, as far as the strategy goes, I mean, Glenn will definitely help, but uh, Eve Muirhead has been curling for a long time and at a very, very high level. Yes. She can throw all the shots, and if Glenn Howard can help her get that little extra half a percentage out of the strategy game, they could be pretty dangerous. Yeah, and they, they won the bronze medal in 2014, so they're coming off of a medal performance in the last Olympic Games. And you look at their results throughout the season here and what they've been doing. Uh, played in the Tour Challenge, they were in Tier 1 of that, made it to the semifinals, lost to Anna Hasselberg there. They won an event, uh, a cash field in Edmonton, then they qualified for the playoffs at the Masters in Switzerland, back to Canada, the, uh, made it to the semifinals of the Masters events. Europeans, uh, they did very well there, winning the, the uh, European Curling Championships. So they've had a very good season so far. Last major event in Scotland, they lost the semifinal there, but good season for them. And no, they again, another team knows what to expect. Not going to be thrown by anything, and Eve is is healthy and feeling good from all accounts. So mm-hmm. that's a, a good sign for her. And because if I remember right, in 2014 at the Olympics, I think she had uh, there was something going on where she wasn't at 100 percent during the week. So it'll be good to see her at 100 percent, feeling strong through the, throughout the week. And and this is a dangerous team. Yeah, and uh, Anna Sloan the third, uh, she also had some injury issues and was out for the end of last season, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, with some injury issues. I think it was an ACL. So she uh, seems to be back up uh, and on farm uh, for the, the Olympic Games, and this team is poised to uh, be making a playoff run. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a team that, that, again, we talked about this in the men's one with, with Scotland, and this is a team that, whereas the men, you have right now really two teams, with the women, it's sort of them. Right? And they're all still so young mm-hmm. that this is a team that we probably can expect to see for a while continue to come back and back. And, and at the very least, you would expect to see them in Beijing in four years. And so it's not sort of the be-all, end-all for them. This isn't you know an old-root situation where we might expect them to be done. But this is a team that you know if they win a gold medal, it's it's I could see them sort of dominating the sport. For the next quadrennial too, which is interesting because I feel like they've they've already been one of the dominant teams in women's curling. But they haven't been the dominant team. No, no. But I, with Canada in the mix, it's hard to be the dominant team if you're not from Canada. Right. So, right. but you're right. I think uh, the the turnover that they have had on this team has always been at lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've had three different leads now and are coming into this this event with a new lead since last. For the last two seasons, I believe. Okay. So you know they're uh, they'll they'll be okay. I, I'm predicting that they'll be there at the end of the week for that playoff round. Yep. And on any given day, they can beat any team in this field. Absolutely. Yeah. So th- this is a again a team that I think is a dangerous team. Absolutely. Now uh, looking f- up to the next team, number four on the uh, order of merit, it's Silvana Tiranzoni, the team out of Switzerland. Now, Switzerland, we've talked about, they're uh, probably the second deepest curling country, aside from Canada, in the world. Yes. They've got three or four women's teams that play on tour regularly yep. that 
uh, are all quite do quite well yeah. on tour. And I believe in this quadrennial, they've won they won three women's world championships with three different teams. It's uh, it's Miriam Ott, I think, has won one or won one. Maybe not in this quadrennial. Alina Pats won one, yep. and I believe Sylvana Tiranzoni has won. As yeah, well. I think you're right. So definitely a, a very deep country for women's curling. A lot of good teams. This could have been any of. Well, I think Mary Amad has retired or, or stepped away from competitive curling, but there is a lot of depth in this country, which only helps because whoever mm-hmm. comes out, you got to fight to get out. This is sort of the Canadian idea where you want not just not necessarily just the best team, but also the hottest team. Mm-hmm. Right. So you want a team who's playing well, who's who's doing who's doing some things on tour and then beating good teams, and that's what you want in your country. So this is, I think, a real advantage for the Swiss. It it's uh, definitely the way to make all teams better is yeah. is to get many good teams and have them all play against each other, and go out and play against competition in the rest of the world. You know, a lot of these countries are only sending one team out to play on tour and only providing funding to to one team so being able to have multiple teams uh, participate on tour really helps uh, this nation and i just double checked uh switzerland won 2016 2015 and 2014 twice by binia felcher oh felcher yes i forgot about her and uh and once by um alina pats alina pats that's right so sylvana tiranzoni hasn't won one but the Swiss have won three of the past four. Yeah, and that's pretty impressive. And then, and that's coming off of Miriam Mott having a very good career. And Miriam Mott, who won well. in, in 2012. So there so. you go. So the Swiss have, have really been a powerhouse, really, in women's curling mm-hmm. for the past decade. And what what's interesting is is they've also done really well in, in mixed doubles. The men's side is where they haven't quite had the same depth. I mean, Peter de Cruz is obviously a good team, but we haven't seen the quite the depth that we have on the women's side. And this is, I think, because of that, because of the, the, the fight that it takes, the competition that it takes to come out of the country, I think this situates them, if not the favorite, the certainly a co-favorite for me. Yeah, and, and Sylvana Tiranzoni, they play a pretty offensive sc- style of curling. Uh, yes, they're points for, 7.3 points for per game, but points against 6.07 that's right and so that's where they get into trouble right where they play these offensive style get a lot of rocks in play and then end up giving up a a big end their lineup from from lead to skip is all strong players um marlene albrecht i think is my new favorite player on uh on tour the lead for team switzerland you became a fan of her became a fan of hers in london at the continental cup she she was interacting with the the young kids in the crowd quite well, and uh, anyway, I just uh, I, I just took a shining <laughs> to to the lead there. So this is one of those teams, like like all the teams we're going to talk about going forward. Easy medal favorite. Um, the only question is, having not been to the Olympics before, is this a, is this gonna gonna be a bit of a pressure cooker for this team? Yeah, you wonder. And also, they're they're not the regulars at, who have gone to the World Championships. Right. As Alina Pats has done and Vinia Felcher. Yeah, so maybe not quite as much experience with that on the stage and with Arena Ice at the, the same time. Right, but, I mean, but they do play on tour quite regularly, so... They, so they should be, they should be fine. And, and this year, overall for the season, 41 and 22. 
and they did come and pretty much spend a couple months in Canada. They played in the Tour Challenge in Tier 1 of that. They lost in the quarterfinals to Anna Hasselberg. Uh, they also played uh, in the Swiss Olympic Trials, of course, where they had to play, and they went undefeated in that mm-hmm. event. So it looks like there that was a triple round robin yeah, with just Pat Fletcher and... Uh, Terenzoni, and she goes undefeated through that. And mm-hmm. that's obviously a very good sign. There, they come back to Canada Inns. They didn't qualify there. Masters in the quarterfinals. They sh- made the playoffs, didn't do well in the playoffs at the European Championships and uh, at the Canadian Open. And Cambrose qualified but lost to Jennifer Jones there. So, mm-hmm. And um, that was coming off uh, what was a pretty strong week for them at the Continental Cup. Yeah, so, so this is a team... I, I, my expectations for them are pretty high, I have to say. Well, and I'm for, sure that I'm sure they're concerned about that. Foreshadowing his uh, his picks here. Already. Yes. All right. Uh, next team on the list, uh, number three on the order of merit. It's the Swedes. Yes. Anna Hasselborg. This was a bit of a surprise to me to see them this high on the order of merit. Uh, they're quite a young team. They have replaced the curling powerhouse uh, Margareta Sigfridsson yeah. in Sweden. As sort of the next dominant team. Who replaced Annette Nordberg. That's right. It's like the string of really great players in Sweden. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. They're a pretty yeah. good, uh, good country. So uh, Anna Hasselborg's team, they're one of the best in the world, for sure. Um, I would sort of put them at maybe a step below that Swiss team, but that's, that's just me. And, uh, like, they've been dynamite on tour this year, uh, winning a lot. The the one question that comes up when I watch them play is is Anna's strategy. It, mm. it doesn't always sort of jive with what I would do, but that's why she's going to the Olympics and I'm not. Right. <laughs> yeah, and their record I think is the best winning percentage that we've seen out of any of the teams, men's or women, fifty mm. and fifteen on the season. They play a ton too. Last year they went seventy seven and thirty one. So they play a lot of events. They, uh, they came out to Canada in the fall, did well, made the final of the Tour Challenge, lost to Val Sweeting in the final of that event, uh, made it to the semifinals of the Stockholm Ladies' Cup when they came, played in that, uh, made it to the final of the Canada Inns, Women's Classic there, Masters of Curling, lost in the semifinal, did well in the European Championships, got into the final, they struggled at the no well struggled they went two and three in cameras at the most recent world curling tour event uh the grand slam so you know they had a pretty good week i thought at the continental cup mm-hmm. so again a team that this is a team another team that could easily win yeah and they're they're one of the, these teams that plays quite offensive style as well scoring over eight points per game i think yeah this year, and that's sort of what's got them in trouble in years past, where they score a lot of points, but they also give up a lot of points. Yeah. This year, they've managed to limit the amount of points they give up, which has led to that very, very strong record. So we'll see what happens when they come up against all this uh, great competition at the Olympics. Yeah, so as you mentioned with Tiranzoni, she scores a lot but gives up a lot with Anna Hasselberg, as you said, 8.6 points per game, but only giving up 5.3. That's right. So you're plus 3.3 in your differential there on average. You're going to win a lot of games. You're going to win a lot of games. And that's a testament to the uh, the hitting ability that, that they've uh, improved upon this year. They, they've always been able to hit, but I think they're 
they're throwing more runbacks this year. If I remember just anecdotally from watching them play, they seem like they're getting themselves out of trouble a lot more frequently than yeah, they were before. Yeah, the way the game is going, you have to be able to do that now. Mm-hmm. To when you're in trouble, you got to be able to escape quickly. Yeah, and uh, being able to throw that big weight is central to that. Now, speaking of that big weight, should we move on Absolutely to uh, should. Team Canada? Yes. The last team on the list. Yeah, so the last team on the list. Number two on the order of merit uh, in the world. This is Team Rachel Homan. We've known this team for quite a long time here in Canada. Yep. They had a great run last year at the World Championships, becoming the first women's team to go undefeated in winning a women's world championship. They came out and struggled a bit at the start of this season on tour, managed to overcome an early hiccup at the curling trials in Ottawa where they lost... Their first game, yeah. And, and now, can I just say, so you say they struggled at the start of the year. Their first event, yes, they they went one and three at the Grand Slam in September in Regina. Their next two events, they won. Okay, for them, I'd say that's true. <laughs> okay. All right. So I I mean, going into uh, the event in December, there was maybe some concerns that they weren't playing as well as they could have been. Yes, they didn't do well on TV, right? The 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 three Grand Slams that they played in before, they only made the playoffs at one of them, and they lost in the quarterfinal. Yeah, I think those were the concerns there. Yeah. So, so they came out and they lost to Chelsea Carey in that opening match, yeah. uh, and then managed to right the ship uh, enough to make the playoffs at that event, and as we all know, eventually take the take the final over Chelsea Carey. I remember. We were watching this game yeah. in the stadium, uh-huh. and you said to me, if Chelsea Carey doesn't score first... No, if Chelsea Carey doesn't get a do. So Chelsea Carey had the, had hammer, the hammer start the game. I said if the first score of the game isn't a Chelsea Carey two or more, then the game is over. Then the game is over. And Chelsea Carey, she didn't flash, she just sort of ticked on a blank attempt, and it was a steal, and I said the, the game, game is, is over. over. And uh, as as it turns out, it was a very prophetic statement. Yes. And uh, yeah, this this team uh, has been on a whirlwind tour ever since, winning those trials. You know, we saw them play in London at the Continental Cup, and they were terrible. not good. They were terrible. Okay, terrible. Yeah. They they were terrible. They got they got they got completely blown out in the first two games, uh, and Rachel did in her mixed doubles game as well. They they mm-hmm. did not play well at that event. At all, and they said it. They they said it afterwards. Yes. Like, after yeah. each game, they said, "Yeah, we know." Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was bad. Like we we have eyes. We're out there. Like yeah. we know what's going on. But to their credit, they took it in stride. They they were obviously upset. You want to play well, mm-hmm. but they weren't like pouting. They weren't you know, the you know they were still participating in the event and still yeah, exactly. engaging with everybody. So which I take is a good sign. Yeah, they're they're pros. Yeah. They know they know what's up. There's uh then they went into that uh, Grand Slam and they won. They got the first seed. Yeah, they they, uh, they won huge too. So in those three games, they scored 21 points and they gave up six. Yeah, which is pretty pretty incredible. And then they ended up losing that game to uh, the Korean team as we as we yeah. saw. So you know the the ups and downs of Team Homan. You know it seems to me like. As goes Emma Miskew, so goes Team Homan. And look for Emma to have a, a good week. And if she doesn't, then then I think this team could be in some trouble. Yeah, I agree. But here's my concern with, with this Homan team. For as good as they are, and especially as good hitters as they all are, 
Like even Lisa Weagle when she needs to, which as a lead is rare that that you need a lead to throw up weight. When she does throw up weight, she can throw it well, right? And obviously oh, yeah. Joe and Courtney Amamiscu and Rachel Holman are well-documented great hitters. They let teams linger, I think. The game against Julie Tippett at mm-hmm. the trials, this is the game that stands out in my mind, not only because Vic had a classic Vic line that the scales are tipping, but <laughs> the the game was the the Holman has the hammer in the first end, scores two, gives up one, gets three. Then Julie Tippett gets a two back, Holman gets a deuce. So it's seven to three after five at the break. Mm-hmm. Then they force Tippin in six. So they're up seven four in the seventh end with the hammer. And somehow Julie Tippin steals seven eight nine to tie the game. And a lot of it, I felt, wasn't just execution, but obviously they missed shots, but it was questionable calls sometimes, that when they were up, they weren't just clearing it out. And I felt the same way, again, the Casey Scheidegger game, when they very easily could have lost that game. Mm-hmm. Casey had a, a tough one on her last one. They had to sweep it to get by a guard. But in sweeping it, it created a pocket for Rachel to make a beautiful double. Mm-hmm. Uh, through a port, tough shot, but benefited from where that stone, Casey Scheidegger stone, ended up, were these games that in the during the game, and not just because of who the other team is, but the process of the game, they should be winning in an easier fashion, and they let teams hang around. I felt in the final against Chelsea Carey, they could have just won it in the eighth end, I think it was, mm-hmm. and I was very upset sitting there thinking, just win the game. Right. Don't don't do what you're doing. Just go win the game. Don't give them an out. Yeah, and yeah. I felt I, that's my concern for this team that maybe they're doing that. And I, I wonder, you know, because we talked about Eve Muirhead bringing Glenn Howard for strategy. It, it's weird because Rachel Holman, through her whole life, for the most part, worked with Earl Morris. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, nobody knows more about Curly probably than Earl Morris, and. But she has since gone to Adams Kingsbury as the primary coach, which you can't argue with the results of going with Adam Kingsbury, but he's not a he's not there for strategy. So I wonder if maybe they would benefit from somebody just saying, Hey, you're up by four, just clean everything out. Um, but I don't know. I, I, that's my concern for this team. I think they're obviously they're the best team in the world, mm-hmm. and it's a very nitpicky thing to say. But I think I think it's something that Julie Tippin game stands out in my head as a potential stumbling block for this team. Yeah, your your points are well made. That's that's true. And but like you say, Rachel has has had Earl as her coach for a very long time. And I think has has learned a lot, and doesn't just rely on on Adam Kingsbury as their sole coach. You know, they've got coaches uh, for all sorts of things, and she's going to have the Olympic representatives there in Rick Lang. Yep. Uh, to to sort of help with the Olympic transition, but yeah. he's also an experienced curler, and I mean, I'm sure he's not going to offer any unsolicited advice no. to no. to Rachel because yeah. it's not like she needs it. Like looking at the World Championships last year. They were like a house on fire playing in that event. Going 11-0, and uh, kicking ass and taking names. If I'm looking at the playoff round, uh, it wasn't even particularly close in the playoffs. Uh, they played Russia twice, won 7-3 in one game and 8-3 in the gold medal game. 
they sort of everything had come together at that point for that team. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a while to adjust to the addition of Joanne Courtney in when they brought her on in 2015. It seems like they're sort of firing on all cylinders now. My only concern for this team is that the rest of the field is pretty darn good. You yeah, know? the they, field, it's a good field. It's so, a really good field. So it's not like the field at last year's World Championships wasn't also good, but this field is better, in my opinion, and uh, it's going to be tough. Like, winning winning gold medal is going to be tough. Yes. It, it should be expected, I think, for Team Canada. They should have that expectation, but it's going to be difficult. Mm. So those are our 10 teams that we just broke down. Tight field. Who knows who's going to emerge? But what do you think, Scotty? Who are your four for the playoffs? What do you think? So my four for the playoffs are going to be Team Canada. I'm going to take Team Sweden and Team Switzerland. My next uh, next team in. You know what? You know what? Strike that, Sean. Oh, strike we're that, swiping. Strike that Team Sweden. Wow. I'm I'm you're not going out, to take Team. But you're going to keep the Swiss. I'm going to keep the Swiss. Give me Eve and Great Britain. Okay. And in a surprise to maybe some, yeah, give me Team Japan. The official team of the Game of Stones podcast. We are the official team of the Game of Stones podcast. Or they are the official. They don't know that yet. No, no. uh, We we don't need to tell them. (laughs) Maybe we should. Put put it up on Twitter. (laughs) That's a good idea. Get uh, Get them in on that. So I'm going to go with, uh, similarly, I think Rachel Holman, I think she is the class of the field, despite what I just, despite my skepticism. I think she is definitely the, the class of the field and a team that, I think it's the only team that if they did make the playoffs, I would be very surprised. Like the rest of them, because this field is so good, if they miss the playoffs, I would get it. But Holman, I think it's just head and shoulders above everybody else. Mm-hmm. So I would be surprised by that. Next, I like uh, Hasselberg and Tiranzoni myself. So I'm going to include the Swedes in there, and I'm going to include the Swiss. And then, you know, Eve Muirhead, I'm cheering for, I think. I, I, I like that team. I enjoy watching them. But for me, I am going to pick as the fourth playoff team. The Chinese. Oh, Bing Yu Wang. Yeah, Bing Yu Wang. Been there, done that. A lot of experience. I think if you when in looking at their schedule, what they've done this year in the past couple of years, it's been very. I think it's been very smart and very systematic in making sure that they were able to be in peak performance right now. So they didn't play too much, uh, especially after the break. Uh, that when she stepped away from curling, ease back in, be into it. All the focus is at this for this event for the the Olympics. I kind of like them going into this event. Wow, Sean, uh, sort of going off the board there. Look out! This yeah. uh, looking at the schedule for China. Just uh, just saying. Okay. Here it's pretty tough uh, at the start. They got Switzerland first. Yep. Then the Olympic athletes from Russia, then Great Britain, then Japan, and not until their fifth game do they hit Denmark and then Korea and then the U.S. And then they finish against Canada and Sweden. So they're going to have... So uh, they have to get five, probably, out of the first seven, you would think. You would think, yeah. That they should be five and two. If they're four and three going into those last two, that's going to be... It's going to be a tough, a tough road to hoe. That's for sure. 
But uh, but I like your. Uh, I got Moxie. I like your Moxie, yeah. fella. <laughs> All right. So medals. What do you got for medals, Scott? So as far as medals go, I mean, I I do think Team Canada is should be expecting a gold medal. And if those teams make the playoffs, as I predicted, yeah, uh, I think they should they should win. So you got Canada. Yeah, and give me uh, Eve Muirhead for the silver. Okay. So Glenn Howard, I asked him at the Continental Cup. I said, "What happens if it's a gold medal game between Canada and Great Britain? Any uh, any conflict for you? Any internal conflict?" And he said, "Probably, but sign me up for that right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'll take that." Yeah. So. I think uh, I think those are those are two really great teams. Yep. But like I said, uh, there's so, so many good teams in this field. And then give me the Japanese to bring home that bronze medal. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I like the Japanese team. I, I I wouldn't be surprised. You know, if if I could pick, like maybe China and Japan in a tiebreaker for the last playoff spot, because uh, I I really do like that Japanese team. I'm going to go with Rachel Holman to win as well. I think. They're the best team in the world, despite Jennifer Jones being number one on the rankings. I think they're the best team in the world. I think they are going to beat the uh, the Swiss in the final. And then give me Bingyu Wang as your bronze medalist wow. in South Korea. I'm just looking here at the Japanese schedule as well, and I think it bodes well. They start off with USA, Denmark, Korea, China... And Russia with their first five, their back their back four are the real tough ones against Canada, Sweden, Great Britain, and Switzerland. So, but they can if, be five and zero. Oh. That's it. If they can get out to that hot early start, I think this this is sort of uh, bodes well for my my bronze medal pick. There you go. So that's that's what we got for you. That's ten teams. It's ten uh, the the women's field. Really good field. I think it's a much more interesting field on the men's side, to be honest. A lot more parity. I think a lot more things can happen in terms of the standings. And I think the games will be tight uh, throughout. So yeah, lots of good games. Yeah, so it should be fun. So those are our picks. That's our breakdown of the women's field. We'll be back later in the week with our mixed doubles recap. Break down everything that happened with the mixed doubles there. And we'll talk a little bit about the first couple days of the round robin. Competition for both the men and the women over in Pyeongchang. Pyeongchang, that's the right one. Yeah, I screwed it up last time. I screwed it up last time. Uh, so again, please do follow the show Twitter at Game of Stones Pod. You can follow Scott individually at Scott Likes TV. I'm at Dr. Shawnee Fever. You can also like our Facebook page, uh, Game of Stones Podcast. You can email us Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com with any questions or comments. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, give us a rating too, preferably a good one, but any sort of rating can be helpful. Five stars. And leave leave comments there. So on behalf of Scott, keep your broom on the ice and don't dump that insert. Make the final.